This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Curamore, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Curamore, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button. Sweet. Well, welcome back to the Prayer Culture Podcast. Uh, Today, we are joined by Ryan Kennedy. So yeah, Ryan um, does a lot of worship music. That's the best way I know how to describe you. (laughs) (laughs) What an intro. (laughs) I'll take it, man. I'm trying to play it cool, you know? It's kind of how how you're supposed to do it, right? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody said that. I have this whole bio, and his take is just like, he does music. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, I do. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So, worship dude. But just a little bit about Ryan Kennedy. Ryan um, does touring music. He's married to Charity Gale, and they go on tour and um, just bring worship to a lot of places. And then they do a ministry called Gather House, which is a ministry's, well, I'm going to let him tell you about it, but uh, first we just want to hear about your prayer journey. Yeah. So awesome. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thanks for coming. Oh, absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, my prayer journey. Um, Well, I grew up in church um, and my family there, they all love Jesus with all their heart, but I like to say that I knew religion. I did not have a relationship with the Lord. And my personality, the more you get to know me, I'm very cynical. And I just like, I'm just a realist. I see black and white. And so growing up in, I grew up in a Bible church. And so, um, and I just watched, you know, when I'd go with my family, I'd just watch as stuff would happen. And I just got to this point where I was like, I don't even think y'all believe what you say you believe. Like, cause it was like, you know, we talk about transformation and the, and the spirit, like, you know, renewing. And then you just see people who for years and years and years, there's nothing changing about them. And I was like, I don't think this works. Like whatever this thing that we call Christianity, I'm like, I don't think this thing works, you know? And, uh, and, um, so I, around 15, 16, I kind of just made the decision, like, I just don't really want to participate in this anymore and, um, kind of did my own thing, went my own way. I was involved in musical theater, not on the stage. I was always in the pit. I was, uh, or, um, conductor of the orchestras and stuff. And I actually had, um, one of my friends kind of just as a funny thing, they were like, Hey Ryan, you should try to write a musical. And I was like, I got the time. Let's do this. And so it took me a year and a half, but I wrote a 22 song score. Um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, I was connected with the theater downtown theater of the stars. And, um, and so I let them know, I was like, Hey, I wrote this show. We did a workshop version of it and sold it out. And, uh, and they were like, we want to see it. So bring it down here. So we did it. And I didn't realize, but they were inviting like all these producers out of New York to come and see it. And, um, and so we finished it and a couple of days later I get a phone call and they're like, Hey, two of the three producers we brought out want to come in and take this show off Broadway. 
And I was 17, you know, so I'm just like, yeah, let's go, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, so uh, kind of crazy how that was all happening. And so then we took and we submitted that show um, for a grant and out of 5,000 new musicals, it won a grant and they gave us an, like funding to basically make it work off Broadway. Um, and so <clears throat> what was crazy though, is while all of that crazy stuff was happening in the background of my life, I had basically just kind of abandoned the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, um, was walking through a season of anxiety and panic attacks that when I was eight years old, I fell off of a 12 foot fence and I cracked my head open. They literally medically super glued my head back together. Wow. But ever since then, my, I was, I was beginning to have anxiety and panic attacks. And I, and I guess as I got older, it just increased and increased and increased. And so by the time I was like 16, 17, I was having panic attacks like that. I wouldn't even want to leave my house. They were just so like, mm -hmm. I mean, I could not handle even being in my own skin, you know? And there was one time I told my mom, I was like, don't leave me at home by myself. Like I was so afraid of, not that I was like suicidal in thought, but my life was at such a low value of life, uh, just because of the panic that I was like, I don't really want to live anymore. You know, like I don't yeah. want to wake up tomorrow cause days are so hard sometimes. Like I literally want to tear my own skin off. Like yeah. that's how bad the anxiety and stuff was. So all of this crazy stuff, like to the world, it was like, you're 17 and you're killing it. And I'm like, no, I want to kill myself, you know? And and so, um, what's the Lord is just so kind. Cause even though I was in this church and, you know, I was still going to church with my family every Sunday and, uh, and even they had asked me to sing on the worship team. Cause they were like, Ryan, you can sing. And so I'm like, I don't even think I believe this stuff, but Hey, I'll sing. Cause I can sing. And, uh, and God's just so kind. Cause it was a Easter service and I was singing the song East to West by casting crowns. And like for the first time in my life, I actually was like, as I was singing the lyrics, it was like, it was coming out of my mouth as a prayer. Mm. And it was like, Jesus, you know, just how far the East is from the West. I don't want to see the man I've been come rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy, I find rest because you know just how far the East is from the West. And I don't know why, but in that moment, <clears throat> the Lord literally, I call it my burning bush moment, but I, the, the world faded away mm -hmm. and it was me and Jesus. And I literally heard his audible voice and he just said, I love you. Mm -hmm. And that was all I needed. It literally broke all of the things that I had built up, all of the cynical mm -hmm. things that I had built up against his church. And again, like all of that, I don't believe any of this. I'm like, I just experienced something that's more real than actual reality. I'm mm -hmm. like the, the God I met is more real than the chair I'm sitting in, mm -hmm. you know? And so I came out of this moment of like, true, like I met the Lord. I came out of that moment and I was like, okay, my world's in color now. It was literally like, you know, the hymn that says the things of this world grow strangely in, yeah. in the light of your glory and grace. Yeah. It was literally like I was caught up in the glory of the Lord. I saw color for the first time. And when <laughs> I came out of it, I was back in black and white in a world that was not full mm. of him. And I was like, mm. I want to get back to that place of color. And so I just, I took the next year and a half 
I literally gave my musical away. I was like, I don't want any part of this. I was, I literally lived by the phrase, I want nothing to do with anything unless it has everything to do with Jesus. Wow. And I didn't even know who he was at that point. You know, <laughs> you know like well, I yeah. realized <laughs> that my whole life growing up in church, I had just been, I had been hearing sermons about everything but him. Wow. And so I was like, I ran to the Christian bookstore and I'm like, I've got to pick out every book I possibly can to find out who this man I met is like, you know, cause I, I mean, it was that real and that tangible. And so, you know, the Lord changed me in an instant. I went from just like, you know, as far away as you can imagine to like, I want nothing to do with anything unless it's Jesus. And so I just took the next year and a half and just, just dove into study of the word and of who he is and, um, just fell in love with him. And, uh, and, and, and I you know, I knew how to do music. And so I told the Lord, I said, well, this is my gift. This is my thing. I, I can write a song. And I was like, I need you to do something with that. Like, I want to serve you with what you've given me. And so, um, I ended up across the table from recording artists and songwriters. And, and that's kind of how my journey into Christian music and worship music started. But in the, in the mid, you asked my prayer journey specifically, in the midst of all that, I decided I wanted to really study this. So I went to Moody Bible College online. And one of my courses, you know, we were doing all the preliminary, like uh, Old Testament and antiquity studies and all this stuff. And then I had this one weird course that I, it was called like Christian lifestyle courses or something. And it was called um, uh, like a lifestyle of prayer or something. That was the that was the course title. And I was like, what is this course going to be because it was like all this elective. I, yeah it was like, <laughs> so I was like it was all these like high level like you know discipleship in the 20th right. century and all this stuff and then it was like you know, lifestyle of prayer and you're like what <laughs> you know and um because the church I grew up in they there was like not much prayer it was like there was a prayer right before the sermon yeah. you'd pray before you eat and that was pretty much it like that's what prayer Ooh. was and yeah. so for me my concept of prayer and interaction with the Lord in prayer was these small little blips mm. of like, just a, like a thank you card, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so this course, the, it was so funny because it's a college level course, but the only um, like assignment for the whole course was to make a prayer journal and to speak to the Lord and write down what you hear him say. Which the concept of hearing him say something to me was also like not a world I grew up in. Mm. And also I had no context of like a lifestyle of talking to him. It was yeah. like you met with him in the secret place and then you left and you left him in the secret place, mm. you know? And it was like, so I did this course and that course, literally all the other courses I really didn't love. That course changed my life when it came to prayer mm -hmm. because I realized that prayer is the relationship. Like prayer, it, it's as much as like I would have a faulty relationship with my wife if I never spoke to her. We wouldn't even yeah. call that a relationship. So I'm like the fact that she and I share thoughts and our heart with each other and we sit and we have time together, that is the relationship, you mm -hmm. know? And I was like, this is my relationship with Jesus. And I started to like speak to him while I was doing everything. I'd be washing dishes and I'd be talking to him and he would be, I would begin to hear him speak back to me. And like, he would move on my heart and I would sense things in the spirit that I like, I didn't even know this type of relationship with the Lord was possible. And, and so that con like the concept that like, I literally have the living almighty God 
who not only I can talk to, but he invites me to talk to him and he wants me to bring my hurts and my questions and my struggles and my fears before him. And he says, bring it to me and I'm actually going to pick it up for you. And I love that hymn that says this peace we often forfeit, what, what pain we often bear all because we do not carry everything to God in Mm -hmm. prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if that is not the most true lyric I've ever heard, I'm like, how often do we forfeit the peace that actually is beyond understanding? Because we just, refuse to bring it to him. And he's literally like standing at the door and is like, I'm literally here and I want you to bring it to me. But we're like, oh, this is probably too small. You don't care about it. He's like, I care about that. Or we're (laughs) like, this is way too big. You can't do any. And he's like, I care about that too, you know? And that has like radically changed my life with Mm -hmm. the Lord and allowed me to literally live with a peace like charity, there was a, there was a season we thought charity had cancer Mm. and she got a phone call out of nowhere. And they were like, we, we got a test result back. It looks like you have lymphoma, Mm. you know, which is a phone call you never prepare yourself to get, you know? And, but in the mid, in the middle of that, like this thing in my head, I go, I'm not going to forfeit the peace that I have access to Mm. because I can bring this to the Lord. We instantly, as soon as she got off the phone, we fell to our knees in our living room and we brought it to God. And it was like, Mm. we laid this heavy, heavy thing. We had no idea what the next couple months or years would hold, but we knew that we could leave it in his hands Mm. and he picked it up. And we literally were able to come out of that moment of prayer, like with a, with a weight lifted off because it's like, I've put this crazy thing in the hands of an almighty God and he can handle it way better than I ever could. And he's going to walk with us in a way that I never could walk by my, by myself. Mm -hmm. And so same thing when, when our son Remy was in the NICU, I was like, Lord, I'm not going to forfeit the peace again. I was like, I'm going to bring it to you. Every time I walk into the NICU, I'm going to be in conversation with you. I'm not going to walk in there with fear. I'm going to walk in there with faith. I'm going to walk in there being like, I'm already in conversation with my father. Mm -hmm. And when I stand over my son's bed, like he's there with me and he's going to come for me. He's also going to heal this little baby's body. And he did, you know, we walked Mm -hmm. out of the, and so it's like that concept that like, I'm not just going to a secret place to meet with God, but that I actually can be in constant relationship with him through prayer at every moment of my life. Mm. And it's not that vending machine concept where it's like, oh, I'm going to go to God just because I need him. It's like, no. God's not Santa Claus. No, he's not. And he actually doesn't function that way. And oftentimes I've found in prayer what I actually need more than him giving me anything is me to just reposition my way of thought in prayer as he leads and guides me as I'm talking to him. I think it's so beautiful that he's developed this way to communicate with us where we like pray his word back to him, Mm. but it transforms us while it comes out of our mouths. I'm like, that concept is crazy to me. Right. But I'm like, but it's so beautiful. And I'm like, we, as the sons and daughters of God, we have the ability to commune and talk with the almighty everlasting God. And how tragic is it that so many of us don't, you know, like, or we just like, we put prayer in a corner, like for the, for the intercessors. I'm like, we're all intercessors. Okay. (laughs) I'm not hosting an intercessory prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting. That's what we do. You know, I'm like, but I think so oftentimes it's been boxed and it's been put in contexts where people are like, Oh, I don't do, I'm not an intercessor. I'm like, yeah, you are (laughs) like, you can talk to him all the time, you know? And I think that, that my prayer, journey has been him teaching me that, that he is like ever present. And not only that he's present with me, but he wants to talk to me 
all the time yeah. and I can actually hear him. We can have a discussion Come on, and that blows my mind. That's and so it's good. also changed my whole life. Yeah, That's so yeah. good. You know what it makes me think of is the difference you're talking about is old covenant, new covenant. Yeah. It's like God is in this special place and special <laughs> people can enter in yep. and perform all the rituals. Yep. And, and if you do it all right, you can meet Man. with God and he'll <laughs> listen to you, you know? Yep. And now it's like, we are the temple yep. and God comes and makes his home in us. Yep. Yeah. We're always with him. He's always listening. Yeah. Covered by the blood of Jesus, not of not sprinkled with the blood of some animal, right. you know, right. but by his blood really purified, yeah. Yeah. made right. Now, then it's like the context of like approach the yeah, throne boldly and without hesitation, with confidence. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where is the confidence Crazy. come from? Yeah, it's it's that we've we've <laughs> approaching by Christ, and, yeah, and we're in Christ perpetually, yeah. No. Well, and that's why we started two or more. I mean, really, it's to help people that came out of your context, my context, Patrick's context, yeah. um, to be able to like understand this yeah. in their churches and like yeah. experience it. Like, hey, God wants you to have that constant communication. He yeah. wants you to experience Him. It's okay to get emotional with God. That's not fake because you're being emotional. Yeah. It's not, you know. God is emotional. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. It's that like it. the very fact that you can get emotional is because of him. Come he on. designed that in you. And to deny yeah. that is to deny something that he's built into right. us as a as a mode of relation relating right. with him. Right. You know? Yeah, it's it's that like weird Western kind of English thing of like <laughs> if you're emotional, you're weak. You know? Exactly. The heroes oh, and all, all the yeah. British stories that are told, yeah. the mature, heroic people are the ones who are like stoic, yeah. Yeah. very measured always, yeah. and the emotional ones are the goofy ones. They're, they're well, the, the comic. Well, my favorite thing, like we we tour a lot. We're in a different church, different place, like almost every night of the week. And my, my one of my favorite things is when I see like just like a jacked up bodybuilder dude just like weeping before the <laughs> Lord in the on. altar. And I'm like, I want to take a picture of this because the next time I hear somebody be like, well, worship's just not manly. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, right. I know one of the most manly looking guys I've ever seen in my life. And he's like laid out before God. And it's like, it's never been about. Right. And honestly, I'm like, the strongest thing you could do is to be transparent before the Lord. Yeah. I actually think it's weak to be like, oh, I can't show you that. I'm like, yeah. no, like strength is actually in transparency before right. him. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, King David killed lions and bears with his bare hands <laughs> and then wrote love and songs wrote the too. Psalms. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. wrote the songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I loved y'all's podcast about, you know, love language in songs because I'm like, mm. you know, I'm like that we're designed for a level of intimacy. That's even greater than that, that we can experience on a, on a physical level on the earthly side of things. Yeah. And yet we are so afraid of intimate language with the Lord. And I'm like, we were designed for that. You know, yeah. everything on the earth is just a shadow of that, which is, unseen, you know? Right. And I'm like, so there's like, there is like, you read what David wrote. You're like, this guy was in love with Jesus. I'm like, yeah, yeah I want to be in love with Jesus, you know? Yeah. 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 And on. God speaks that way to his people. Absolutely. Like, like I'm going to be your husband, you know, draw near to me. <laughs> yeah. Like come in, like rest in my bosom kind of language, you know, like <laughs> that's not how we think of like, no. 
It's I don't know I don't know where how did we get to this place I where that's it's uncomfortable? Possibly like the Western context of language and us all like getting to be like really uncomfortable about private language. Yeah. We were ju- I was just talking to Charity about this because I'm like like the root of yada and like a knowing an intimate knowing mm. like a penetrative knowing. <laughs> Jesus says I want to <laughs> yada you and you're like that's intense you know. But I'm also yeah. like why are we weirded out by that? I'm yeah. like his spirit comes into us and and lives in us. I'm like. Yeah. You know, but I think the Western context has made things so like sexualized that yeah, we yeah, can't totally. have that type of language. But then it's also like, well, how do you explain certain spiritual concept concepts without that type of language? Yeah, without we, that intimacy. Yeah, like we were designed for that, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyways, people right. are gonna yeah. They're at me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Kennedy said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you what Ryan said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Okay, so Gather House. Yeah. Tell us about Gather House and how you got the vision, how God called you to it, Yeah. Um, you and Charity's process with it, whatnot. So. Yeah, we're... Gather House is such a beautiful thing, and we're still kind of really figuring out like the best way to... Um, explain it because he he gave it to us as a vision first and of all. Um, but Charity and I, our relationship is really where it started because Charity comes from very Pentecostal background. I come from Bible church, cessationist Bible church. Like we would never have been in the same room had it not been for yeah, the Lord. North Pole, and South Pole. <laughs> we probably would have called each other heretics, honestly, <laughs> you know, like our camps, you know, and, and yet... Charity and I, because of our desire to love one another first in our marriage, like the first year of our marriage, because the Lord did a crazy, a crazy thing. We, we, we were in a ministry together, but we went from like friends to married in six months. So he like hit the go button. And so we were married and still kind of figuring each other out. It was, was beautiful. There was no issue with that. We loved it, but we would have these big conversations like, cause we got married and then COVID happened. So we were like mm. stuck in an apartment wow. with one another. And we were just like, the Lord just allowed us to have these beautiful conversations about his church and his kingdom. And like one of the most fun thing we would do, we'd go to each other's conferences and then we'd leave and be like, so why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? And <laughs> why are it, you weird? Yeah, why are you weird? Why was that lady screaming? You know? And she's like, why wasn't that lady screaming? Right. You know? And, um, and so like in, don't in, you read the Bible? Yeah, exactly. Both of you are saying both that of, one. Both, yeah. <laughs> exactly. both both using the scripture. same scripture. You know, that, that's what I love when people are using the same scripture to like call each other crazy. But, (laughs) um, but no, so like, you know, the first year of our marriage, we would just sit down in the living room and have these conversations rooted in love. Cause like my desire was not to prove her wrong and her desire was not to prove me wrong. It was actually like, how can we actually meet in the middle in this and maybe Mm. not even meet in the middle, but understand each other so fully that it, it, we're not on opposite sides, you know? And so, which I've always said that the, the kingdom is built not on debate stages, but across coffee tables because the point of a conversation like that should never be, I'm proving you wrong or I'm proving myself right. Mm. It should always be like Paul says to consider one another as more important than yourself and seek understanding first, you know? Mm. And so we got to experience this incredible, like 
seeing the kingdom come together from two of the most opposite sides of the kingdom you could come from. And yet we found this way where it was like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. She was telling me things that she'd experienced in with the Lord that, that brought clarity and understanding to some of the things I had experienced and vice versa. And then we also have an incredible friend group. Like when we write songs, we don't write tribally. We, we normally have representation from every tribe of the camp, or at least we try to. So we'll have a reformed Baptist and a Pentecostal and a Methodist and a Baptist and a non-denom all in the same right. And then we'll try to write about the Holy Spirit, you know? And it's like, well, you know, you might say Holy Fire, you might say Holy Ghost, I might not say it at all. Like, how can we figure out language that we can give to the bride to sing to the Lord and to understand these biblical concepts? But but I, I feel like oftentimes unity is actually oftentimes misunderstood as conformity. Yeah. Most people who say they want unity, they actually want conformity. They say, mm. I want to bring everything Everyone from every tribe and background into this one place together to be like me. To be like me, <laughs> and, so they, and they'll write it on their shirts. We're all about unity. We're all, and I'm like, no, you just want everyone to be you. Yeah. And so you're asking everyone to move to where you are, and you not move at all. Where true unity is actually me humbling myself as much as I'm asking you to humble yourself, and all of us coming together and finding one language mm. together mm-hmm. that is the bride of Christ, because the Lord's not coming back from multiple brides with different hair colors and different figures. Like it's one bride. Now we're all one body. And as much as a hand is different from an ear, we have different functions, but ultimately we're all connected in one body with Christ as the head. And so, you know, this all that whole, like the Lord gave me a burden to see his kingdom actually united, not, not a cult where everyone starts to look the same yeah. or sound the same or worship the same even. I I am addicted to the bride and the sound of the bride when every tribe is represented. Mm. And Charity and I get to experience this because we're in a different church every single night. We're in a Baptist church, then a Pentecostal, then a blank, then a blank, then a blank. And every night, there are people that are meeting with the Lord in every single one of those contexts. And, and, and so many times we try to like, I've always seen it like, you know, Paul, uh, or I think it's Peter. He said, you know, we're b- being built brick by brick into the tabernacle of God. And I'm like, yeah, but oftentimes what you actually see is people rejecting different stones they don't understand. And I'm like, that's a really unstable tabernacle. No wonder yeah. why the church mm. is so dysfunctional right now. I'm like, mm. we've rejected a bunch of stones just because we don't understand them first, you know? Yeah. And so we're in a different context every night. And yet I see Jesus in people's eyes. I see them responding to the gospel. I see, and I'm like, yeah, there might be some, some stuff that you, you could probably learn. And maybe there's some stuff you should probably get rid of, you know, but it's like, ultimately I, God is meeting with people in his bride, in the different tribes of his body, as mm. different as the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel were like, they were not the same. And they, each one of them had specific people groups that were represented and they had different functions. And yet they all knew they were under the banner of Israel. And I'm like, it's the same way. We all have tribes of the church and yet we're all under the banner of Jesus. We're all the bride of Christ. Whoa, whoa. So you're saying you can unite with somebody that you don't have the exact same tertiary <laughs> theology with, right? Is that right? You can. <laughs> as surprising Mind as blowing. this may be. <laughs> and you know what? I'll say this too, just because you know people love to misunderstand when, when I say stuff like this. I am not saying that there are camps out there that are preaching actual heresy. 
There are. There are. And yeah. we have to actually be honest about that when that happens. Yeah. Like we, we, because there's also this other movement of using the same scriptures that I use mm. to say like, hey, his house of prayer is a house of prayer for all nations and all people. And they're like, I mean, all people. And I'm like, uh, yeah, except that the Lord has called us to holiness and he has yeah. called us to sanctification. And he, and he mm. did actually give us a gospel that is one gospel. There's yeah. not multiple gospels. And so I'm like, but I say all that to also say <laughs> everybody sees in part. And there are certain mm. things we're going to understand. There's certain understandings. And I actually believe the Lord has asked each tribe to carry a certain part of understanding because mm. the more we're in every different type of camp of the church, I'm like, wow, y'all really get evangelism. Y'all don't get worship, but you get evangelism and y'all really get worship, but you don't get discipleship and y'all really have this down. And I'm like, imagine if we all came together and yeah. shared what God's been showing yeah. each one of us, because a lot of the times we're attracted to the denomination that our person personality is attracted to right. as well. And our right. gifting. And our gifting, yeah. you know? And so I'm like, cause the church I grew up in, they were actually pretty good about discipleship, but the worship, I mean, there was like no love of God in the worship, but I was mm. like, I wish you could talk to a Pentecostal and mm. that you could understand why they worship the way they do. And I wish they could learn from your discipleship model yeah. because that would actually be a really useful, edifying conversation for yeah. the church. Right. But oftentimes they'll never even end up in the same room together, you yeah. know? Um, and so all that to say, there's a burden that the Lord has put on my heart to see his bride come together. And so it's been on me for years. And so in prayer with him, he gave us this vision of a place called Gather House. And it's literally a place for the kingdom. It's for the church. We're not a church. We partner with the local church. We love the local church. We love what the local church does. But we also know that the local church, their doors are open for only so many hours a week. Yeah. And we want to be a place that the church can actually come together and have community. And yeah, we're a prayer house in that we host prayer and worship sets. But that's really, I call it just the fuel for what happens in the more gathering spaces. You yeah. know, there's something that happens. I'm like, if you picture the mountain of God uh, illustrations throughout the Bible, I'm like, you and I could be on different sides of the mountain, but the closer we get to the Lord, the closer we actually get to each other. We may still be yeah. on different sides Come of the mountain, on. but ultimately we will be with each other at the top of the mountain if right. we get there. And so my thing is like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to get you into the presence of God mm. and I'm going to let you look upon his face. Yeah. And the more that you're transformed into his image and I'm transformed into his image and you're transformed into his image, the closer we get to him, the more we get close together, yeah. you know, and we don't always have to leave in complete agreement, but we do have to look to Jesus and we do have to be transformed into his image day by day. Yeah. And so we're just creating, we want to create a place where the church can come and, um, just have fellowship together, have community together where a Pentecostal and a Baptist might grab a cup of coffee. There's no debate mm -hmm. stages at Gather House. That's not the point of what we're doing. Yeah. We'll leave that to the theologians. You know, I'm like, what we're doing is we want, we want the church to experience what Charity and I experience and not mm -hmm. just what Charity and I experience, but our whole writing community, because every single one of us have a testimony of us coming into the writing community, expecting to be at odds with one another. And what we actually found was a closer relationship with those people than we could have ever, ever imagined. Yeah. And those are some of our closest friends that come from denominations that don't even speak to each other. Yeah. And I'm like, so we're experiencing a first fruits unity that we believe we can see in the general church. 
as, as the idea of unity, not conformity starts to come into the bride. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not here to tell anybody they're right or wrong. I'm just here to say, Hey, we're gathering to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to look upon his face. And there's also a space that you can come into and find family and find community and find home on all the other hours of the week that your church isn't open. When your church doors close, there is a place of the kingdom for the kingdom of God to come and have community. And so we want to create a kind of like a community center for the church here in, yeah. here in Houston, where there, where we can host Bible studies, where churches that need, we want to be a place also for church plants that need facilities. We want to provide those facilities. We really just want to be, be an encouragement to the church and also help the church as much as possible. Like we, we love the church. We, the capital C church is the most beautiful thing on earth. Come on. It is the most beautiful thing. Mm. And the sound of the bride. And I will tell you, there's a joy that I cannot explain when, when tribes of the body are represented and worshiping together and you see people coming to the realization that like, they don't look like me or sound like me, but that's Jesus. I see Jesus in them and it's happening all over the room. And there's this incredible sense of unity and community that you're like, people are leaving feeling edified to go out and be the church because they actually know that there's this like, there's this giant ecclesia of people on the move on the earth, you know, and they might wear a different label than you. But like at the end of the day, we got each other. We do life together. We fight with each other. We contend in prayer together. Like you've got an army behind you when you're, when you're part of the church, you know? And so that's, we just want to be an encouragement in that way. And then, you know, our heartbeat is to just host prayer and worship sets throughout the week that we have prayer teams. And if people, cause I was there, it was two in the morning and I wanted to take my own life. I was having an anxiety attack. And I'm like, man, if there was a place I knew that was open and I could go and I could get prayed for, I would have gone. I would have gone. And so I want to be that for other people. And I also want that happening while there's also a cafe where people are experiencing fellowship and friendship together. And so that's kind of it. Gather house is a big, big concept. I'm still figuring out language, but that's kind of the overall, what our heartbeat is. So, and you're, you guys, I I think this is what I know. You guys are aiming for 24 seven prayer and worship. Yeah. Our heart's desire is to be day and night. We want to Sabbath on Sunday and give okay. that day back to the church because we we don't want to. Our our main thing is like for past local pastors, we're not in competition with you. We're in partnership with you, mm-hmm. and we don't want to. We want to also Sabbath our teams as well. Yeah. And so Sundays will be a day that we don't meet, but we allow the local church and those churches that need a space to meet. Because yeah. I mean, we're gonna have sound system and screens and all this stuff. I'm like, right. you can like you don't even need to do a church in the box or rent that equipment. Yeah, we'll have yeah. that there for you. And then the goal would be to be day and night. We're still figuring out logistics as far as if during the night we go to an online stream mm-hmm. and then during the day. But yeah, that's the that the we don't have background in the 24-hour prayer and worship movement, which I'm actually thankful for because it's allowing the Lord to kind of create a new thing mm. because we don't have any context we're trying yeah, to like yeah. replicate, you yeah. know? So like he tells us to do something and we do it, you yeah, know? Yeah. I actually, well, you know, Catherine, I was speaking to Catherine from our church and saying, I, I love 24 seven prayer, but then logistically it's, that's pretty tough, you know? <laughs> and I thought, well, what if we started with like, like 12, six, like 6am to 6pm, six days a week. And as soon as I said, it, I was like, Oh, hang on, six, six, six. We gotta change. We, we gotta do like seven to seven or something, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pick some better numbers. 
seven to seven, six yeah, days a week. That's better. Something. Yeah, it's good. We got to break this up. Six oh, to man. six. Uh, so when you mentioned we're going to have like sound system, we're going to uh-huh. have screen, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So because you guys are planning to have a facility. Yeah. Our, we, we love going out into the community and we love being able to serve the local church by bringing nights of worship into their Bases, but the ultimate goal is to have an actual facility yeah. that is um, because the original vision the Lord showed us was a coffee shop connected to a prayer room, and uh, basically because what happens in the prayer room is fuel for what happens in the coffee shop, and mm. you know because that phrase is just like it, the kingdom's built over coffee tables as we get to know each other and fellowship with one another, and uh, and then we also one of the things the Lord asked us to do were these big gatherings called gather nights, and so our facility will also be able to host those as well, but we don't want to leave behind the fact that we get to go out into the city and bring the the gather nights to local churches too. So that'll be part of the model. But yeah, ultimately we we're going to have a physical location that people can yeah. come to and uh, there'll be prayer going yeah, on. That's yeah. yeah. So, and I've been to gather nights and everything you expressed about like, Hey, it's beautiful to see people from different camps and different tribes and different ethnicities, different everything yeah. come together. Um, that happens at gather night, like in a really powerful way, uh, in a way that I have rarely seen. Mm -hmm. Um, so God's doing, doing a really powerful and new thing. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when you were talking earlier about unity, um, what came to my mind is it feels like what happens to us. This, we're so good at this is it's like, okay, hands, feet, eyes, ears, you know, we're, we're all yeah. different parts mm-hmm. of Jesus's body. Jesus is the head. But it's like, we're so good at being like, okay, all the ears over here. Right. <laughs> uh, ooh, and I, you know, you guys are meeting over there, you know. It's like, we're so good. Why do, Oh yeah. Why are we so good at that? I think it's like our, our need to, to feel like we're a part of something. Yeah. And... I think like people understand us exactly. Yeah, it's they like it's that thing space. where it's like, yeah. well, you're like me, so let's do this thing together. Yeah. And I think the issue is that it's like, well, the but but we're missing out on a broader you're like me, mm-hmm. you know, by by it's like we're taking a lesser thing. Yeah. By only being tribal, yeah, there is community in tribal. And I know I'm like people in in their church, like we love how that happens. And I'm like, we celebrate the diversity of the kingdom. Like I love the fact that there are different tribes and they function in different ways. But it's like, but also don't lose sight of the fact that you're actually part of a bigger thing called right. the bride of Christ. Yeah, you right. know? And there's joy and community meant to be found there as well. Right. But it is, I think it's rooted in this instinctive need to like feel like we're a part of something and it's like well you are why are you going for the lesser thing when you could actually realize you're a part of a global movement (laughs) called the church you know that's been around for thousands of years you know so um yeah that's what it pumps me up As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button.